1: I am very excited today to be with Chrissy and Dan Barr. Both of you have been involved in my life since I think Chrissy, I met you when I first started at Centennial 17 plus years ago.
0: That's exactly um, right. You were yeah. just networking at the time.
1: Yeah. So today we will be discussing intentional leadership, power of executive coaching, and moving on a vision when prompted, as well as leadership and marriage. So Dan and Chrissy Barr are the co-authors of two bestsellers: "Plugged," "Dig Out and Get the Right Things Done," and Phytofactor, Factor: How to Get a Leg Up at Work." Chrissy, you're the CEO of Barr Corporate Success and a very impactful executive coach, strategic planning expert, facilitator, and keynote speaker. And Dan, you're the COO of Barr Corporate Success. Yes. I had the distinct pleasure to know the bars for the last. 17 years. We've served on boards together. We've served in the community together, and we've served with mutual clients together. It is a pleasure to have both of you today.
0: It's wonderful to be here. Thank you for hosting us.
1: Absolutely. So, so excited. We just had the opportunity to host you leading a room of 35 leaders and discussing The Fido Factor, your new book. So let's jump in a little bit here in terms of your leadership journeys. And what's so cool today, we get to have a couple who the leadership journeys have, of course, you've been leading together in life for many, many years, but now it's also brought you together in your businesses. So let's talk about journeys. Dan, would you mind sharing a little bit about your leadership success and your journey to what brought you to today?
2: Sure. I started off with a family business, spent a lot of years at Centos, And a couple of years ago, I was traveling all the time and Chrissy's business had taken off and done really, really well. And we decided that, It made more sense for me to be closer to home and helping her out. So I joined the company and it's been the best thing we've ever done. That was the same time The Fido Factor came out, which is a book about leadership. So the personal side and the business side kind of merged together along with the book. So the timing was perfect on it.
1: That's wonderful. And Chrissy, can you walk us through your leadership journey and experiences and what's brought you to where you are today?
0: So I started off with a major in geology, and Dan was the one in college who told me, you understand the physical world around you, but you don't understand... The business world around you. So he encouraged me to get my MBA. And after I got my MBA, went to work at P&G, left Proctor, ran a couple of businesses, and then went back to P&G to systematize brand management. And then right after that, this whole world of coaching was just starting. This was in 19, oh gosh, 2001 actually. Mm-hmm. So I started the practice in 2002 mm-hmm. and have never looked back. Back. but The clients that I work with range as big as Humana and Ingersoll Rand to as small as small family businesses and Apollo Heating and Air.
1: That's awesome. That's wonderful. So the experiences of writing two books together, you know, we think working together is difficult. I bet you writing books together is difficult. What led you to the journey of Plugged? What started that first one?
0: Well, what started Plugged was Dan waking me up at 2 in the morning one night saying, Chrissy, Chrissy, wake up. And when I realized what he didn't want, he said, I've got an idea, and it's to write a book. I said, you're waking me up at 2 a.m. to talk about writing a book. He said, yes, yes, it's a golf business book. And that's how Plugged was born. And the reality of it was, we always thought about writing a book, but when our only child went away to college, we had to find something else to do besides going to Seven Hills basketball games.
2: (laughs) It was Chrissy had started her consulting business, and the idea of adding another dimension to her brand and showing people kind of a tangible product that says, here's the way I approach consulting in the world of business. Mm-hmm. And that was really what drove the idea. And I guess it was just rolling through my head. And one night, I had this lucid dream where I saw the ending, the key scene in the book that was turned out to be the dramatic kind of ending of the saga. Mm-hmm. So it was something that we wrote on weekends for about two years, it took us a long time because we had full-time jobs. We were very busy, and just setting aside all the things you'd like to do on a weekend and saying, "No, we've got to write. We've got to work on this." And and the uh, first book was so much fun to do, and it helped Chrissy's business. It gave her you know another dimension to the brand. And then a few years later, we said, "Let's do it again." That was a good time. You know, we had forgotten all the pain. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like I'm sure it's kind of like childbirth, right? Where you forget how difficult it was, and then you say, let's have another. And that's what we did with the Fido Factor. So mm-hmm. it's it's really a, a lot of fun and very satisfying to do it.
0: The two books really do complement each other. Plug, Dig Out and Get the Right Things Done is a strategy book, and probably 40% of my business is strategic planning and execution. The Fido Factor, How to Get a Leg Up at Work, which is a book about all the wisdom our dogs teach us about leadership – is a leadership book. And then Mm -hmm. if I look at about 50% of my business, that's executive coaching. So the two books complement what I do 90% of the time.
1: Hmm. That's amazing. So sharing with that, like backing up, even having an idea to create a book is a big idea, right? Even if it comes at 2 AM, they say the best ideas are when you're completely relaxed. So walk us through what even as individuals, what would inspire you to say, we need to write a book,
2: which is a major undertaking? It was in part, I remember Chrissy asking me a question. She said, what do I do? You know, her business had launched a few years earlier. It was doing great. And she said, How do I take it to the next level? And I thought about it and I said, I think you need to write a book. Mm-hmm. And she looked at me and said, Well, you're kind of the writer in the family. Can you, uh, let's do it together. Mm-hmm. And that's where it started. But writing a book, boy, it, it kind of sounds easy because everyone's read books and they're not that long necessarily. Mm-hmm. These books were 150 pages, but it's really hard. The first book had dialogue. It was mm-hmm. written as a fable. So it reads like a story, like any other book with quotes, people talking in it and things like that. Dialogue, yeah. that's really hard to do because right. we write business style where you just write, here's the idea, here's the memo, here's the rationale. That's not at all the way a story would mm-hmm. be written. So right. yeah. it just forced us to learn some new tricks and not be afraid to throw away things that you loved. You've got to just be willing to say, we tried that. It didn't work out. Mm. We you know, had other people look at it. And then we went back and rewrote and edited and rewrote until we thought it was great. Mm. And so it's just knowing that you're going to have to work really hard to get something that you're really proud of. That was the goal. And I feel good about it. It's wonderful. So life experiences,
1: life experiences form how we view others, how we view circumstances that happen to us and the way we lead and profess and captivate a room in your case when the two of you are speaking about the work that you do or leading an executive through a coaching session where, you know, the listeners have all had the experience where a coach really gets me. And it's usually because life experiences connect the two in so many cases. Can you share with us a little bit about the life experiences that have inspired you to do what you do in the way that you do it?
0: So, Mike, you're exactly right about the experiences. If you think of a circle with experiences at the twelve o'clock position, experience affect our attitudes. If I put the attitudes at the three o'clock position, attitudes the lens we view things affect our behaviors. If I put behaviors at the six o'clock position, behaviors affect results, which I would put at the nine o'clock position. So our experiences directly affect how we view things, our attitudes, and our behaviors and results. If you want a different result, whether it's in business or in life, you've got to change your behaviors. If you're going to change your behaviors, you have to change your attitudes. So the experiences that affected us most were the things in many ways that people said you can't do. Like, I remember once somebody saying, oh, you could never be at that position. I'd love to run into them and say, uh, I do way better than that position now. You know, things like that, that, you can't play golf. Somebody said, you can't play golf. Well, okay, I can go out and play and can break 100 from time to time and play a nice round of golf, and we take vacations playing golf. So mm-hmm. in many ways, this, the things that people said, no, you can't do this, said, no, I, I can do that. Mm-hmm. And that helps shape who we are. Directly going into executive coaching and starting their own consulting business, I have to give credit to a gentleman by the name of Dan D'Amico. And Dan D'Amico ran Nucor Steel. And he was just a plant manager at the time that I knew him very well. And he was talking with me, was becoming the president of Nucor and didn't know whether he should do it or not. And when we finished, he said, you seem to be able to get in somebody's head and talk with them. And now they know exactly what they want to do. You're wasting your time in corporate America. And that Felt a little awkward because I had just started hearing about this executive coaching industry. It was brand new. This was Mm -hmm. 1998. And when Dan and I were talking, he said, What is it you really want to do if it weren't corporate America? I said, Well, this coaching industry sounds really interesting. And it took three years to finally get it started, to have the courage to move forward with it. But it was then that experience of somebody saying, You can do this and you should do this and you should do something different that propelled the business to get started.
2: And I think the other thing about Chrissy's background in particular is it wasn't always the smoothest career. She had some great jobs, worked for some great companies. She also worked for some companies and some bosses that were not ideal, Mm -hmm. which is very, very common. Mm -hmm. And I think Chrissy, perhaps different from other people, maybe not, she really learned from those experiences. Because I think if someone only has a path in life that is smooth and uphill – you don't learn as many lessons, mm-hmm. but when you're in difficult situations, you work for a difficult boss or whatever the situation is that's somewhat less than ideal, you learn if you come out on the other end ahead, you come out stronger and smarter. Mm-hmm. No, and in one and, case and in I think Chrissy really, really grew from those negative experiences that she experienced and she takes that and now she understands when she's coaching someone, they say, Here's what I'm dealing with. She knows exactly what they're going through.
0: I often think it's the negative experiences that have made me more successful as an executive coach than the positive ones. And one particular boss was a brutal bully. And that's probably being polite. And when I work with an organization and there are bullies in companies, how do we coach those people? Because I can tell them how this is affecting their staff. I know how it affected me.
1: Mm Absolutely. 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 So difficult circumstances bring us closer together. Are there elements of your life, your paths that have brought you to do business together, right? So many family members start out doing business together and then realize this is really complicated and hard and maybe we shouldn't be working together. Yours has brought the two of you together. Can you share with us about that journey and where there were certain tipping points or mental thoughts or life experiences that brought the two of you together?
0: Yeah. You know, when I think about Dan joining Bar Corporate Success, which just started in September when he joined, it was really out of the businesses growing. I identified about 35 hours of meaningful work that someone else could do, that it didn't require me. It wasn't client-facing. And then I thought about who was the most creative person, and person who understood the business better than anybody else, and it was Dan. Hmm. Also, we consider the fact that he was traveling four to five days a week. And at our point in life, we thought we're married and we don't see each other except the weekends. And we're Absolutely exhausted. So we don't go out on a Friday night because all we want to do is put on our pajamas and have a glass of wine and watch Blue Bloods. So we decided— I really don't want to watch Blue Bloods, by the way. No, Dan doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like it's on. I'm too tired to change the But the, the glass channel. of wine sounds good. <laughs> yeah, it's true. So we really came together with the business. He was the best person for the job.
2: And I was willing to accept her very difficult— negotiation terms in terms of the compensation okay. plan. Yeah. Good for we, we you. Had the, we had <laughs> tough negotiations, but we finally came to terms. It was That's good. Right. We yeah.
0: did, and Plus, having worked on two books together, we knew our working styles. Now, Dan and I are unlike most couples. Most people, eighty-five percent of the population, will marry their opposite. If you think in terms of disc styles, mm-hmm. um, Dan and I are very both very much high D and high Is, low S's and low C's. So we married the exact same, which we had to understand that that can present its problems. So there are times that we'll have conflict, mm-hmm. and that can no, get, there aren't. Yes, there are. <laughs> <laughs> but there are times that we'll have conflict. What most people don't understand is we actually enjoy the conflict.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You know, the other thing that has shaped us is in writing this book, the second book, which is The Fido Factor, that was really driven by our common love of dogs. Mm -hmm. So we've always had dogs. And the idea for the first book was it was a strategy book that had a golf theme. That was my idea. I'm kind of more the golfer in the family. And so a few years later, Chrissy said, okay, I think I'm ready to write another book. I go, all right, what do you want to write about? She goes, dogs. Mm -hmm. I go, excuse me, a a business book on dogs? I I don't know. It's a little out there, but it's a brilliant idea. It's something that people can relate to. And once we've invested a lot of time in fleshing it out, we realized, yeah, there's something really good there. Mm -hmm. But that was drawing on this experience that we have had and love our, our dogs. So... That was another foundation in the relationship.
0: And speaking of foundation, Dan and I both believe in giving back. So proceeds from sales of Fido factors, some of it goes to animal rescue organizations. That's wonderful.
1: You know, since I, one, attended the session that Centennial and FranNet MidAmerica hosted a few months back, it's like seeing, you know, buy the red car, the red cars all around you. Right. I've noticed even on LinkedIn the other day, there was a leader who had just shared his best friend his most loyal business partner and his most quiet and listening ear had just passed away. And Mm -hmm. that was his dog Mm -hmm. that was in his office and posted a picture on LinkedIn. We have clients who have dogs in their office, right? That you go home to that, you find calm in that relationship and just noticing that, having gone through the experience of reading the book and then having a great leadership dialogue about the book. So let's go into that a little bit. Share with us Some of the elements, the four tools in FIDO, which we're going to provide in the show notes. Share with us a little bit about the journey and the learning and the organizing of such a book and what you want leaders to be able to take away from that and then go grab their own copy.
0: So the FIDO factor, if we think about what dogs can teach us, they're the same things that great leaders embody. The first FIDO factor, F, stands for faithful. Faithful leaders Earn trust and loyalty. So faithful leaders will earn that trust and loyalty. The I is inspirational. Inspirational leaders move people to do what's meaningful and purposeful. Mm. The D stands for determined. Determined leaders keep people progressing towards their goals. They just won't give up. And the O stands for observant. Observant leaders take in as much information as possible so that they can spot problems before others and opportunities as well. They can make the best decision. Mm. And those four words F-I-D-O, faithful, inspirational, determined, and observant, spell FIDO. What were the odds of that?
2: Right. <laughs> I think they were That's actually wonderful. really good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. Because we backed into that. Yeah, I'm just going to tell you that right now.
0: <laughs> yeah, we did back that into was it. We could have done WAGS, we couldn't figure out what was going on with WAGS. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's great.
2: That's great.
1: And the discussion, I remember having one particular leader come up to me afterwards who was listening and said, you know, I attended it because you all put the event out and I've enjoyed all of your events, I did not know going in what I would take away from that discussion, right? It was like a wow moment. I've never thought about leadership that way and never drew the correlation. People can visualize when they go through the book that, yeah, that is why dogs are man's best friend, right? And what a great aspect from a leadership perspective. They have that kind of relationship, that kind of security, that kind of chemistry alignment that we can create in our workplaces and in our relationships in life. Can you share a couple of more elements of the book that you have found the most, the aha moments that you hear from others who read or who have experienced?
0: There are two aha moments. Probably the one that comes up the first is patience. Patience is a subset of determined leaders and that their dogs teach them patience. Certainly when you're not a patient person, you can come across as arrogant and insensitive Sometimes we all just want to bark out orders, and we think we're being candid and direct, but the person on the other end thinks that you're a jerk. So the idea of patience is an aha moment. The other one ties to loyalty. And when we think about loyalty, that ties to both our customers and our employees. Eighty-nine percent of customers will stay with a brand that has the same values that they have. Mm. So we think about that loyalty. Your dog wants to be with you. You want your customers and your employees to want to be with you as well.
1: Mm. Absolutely. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. So a little bit about plugged. So the golfer in the relationship, I know both of you golf and both of you yes. are really good for my understanding. Dan's good. Um.
2: Not, no, Dan's good. I wouldn't good. go that far. Our sons are too My
1: friends might be listening, so I can't say <laughs> okay. yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but walk us through that journey. Again, I, I came across, the, you know, one, having known Chrissy, anything, a real close relationship of ours, authors and then becoming connected to Dan but I purchased the book I happened to be going through that while I was preparing for my own succession right so understanding the scorecard methodology again I can visualize that I can feel it we've all filled out a scorecard some mm-hmm. of us more excited when we fill them out than others you know I always joke that my ball will hit the fairway it just probably won't be the right fair way. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But share with us a little bit about the experience of Plugged and what that scorecard methodology is meant to help others achieve.
2: Sure. Well, the core lesson in the book Plugged is PAR. Again, like FIDO, PAR stands for something. In this case, the P stands for prioritize. You have to focus on what matters most. The A stands for adapt. You have to be open to change. And the R is be responsible Take ownership of the outcome. So those are the three lessons that, in the book, the hero of the story learns these three lessons as he's worried about a member-guest tournament with his biggest customer. Hmm. And the lessons he learns on the golf course about par, prioritize, adapt, and be responsible, he realizes those are the things he needs to apply to his work relationship. And it all comes – I don't want to give away the ending. Mm -hmm. But it all works out in the end. Yeah. Oh, wait, I just gave away the ending. Anyway, <laughs> it uh, it's a fun story. It's a quick read. And the message is one that I think still resonates with a lot of people because yeah. it's such a simple idea. If you say, what's the most important thing we should focus on in business today? What do we need to change? Are we open to change? And then does each person on the team take responsibility for getting the right things done? Mm. If you can just get those kind of cornerstone ideas in place in your business, good things happen.
0: And when we think about the title of the book, Plugged, Dig Out and Get the Right Things Done, if you're a golfer, when you plug a ball, it is buried in wet grass. It's like a fried egg buried in that ground. It's the one time in golf where you're allowed to pick the ball up, clean it, and place it at no penalty. You get a do-over so that we have the same thing in our lives every day. Every day we can decide what are our priorities. It's not just for the mega issues. It's for the day-to-day issues so that you're not distracted by things or just doing low-priority tasks. What do I need to adapt to? And then how am I going to hold myself responsible? So if we think about the book, it's about how to get unstuck and get the right things done.
1: As we look at our journey of the Talent Magnet Institute podcast, Developing Leaders to Succeed in Relationships, Work, Community, and Life, Taking a Holistic Leadership Approach, you can take both the Fido Factor examples and experiences as well as plugged and bring PAR into any of those four areas. And I love your point that tomorrow is a new day. The next hour is a new hour. You, we have to decide to create change. We need to be self-aware what to change, how we're impacting people, how we're influencing people, and how to bring out their greatest good as well as be our best tomorrow, right, or the next meeting.
0: Yeah, and it sounds so easy, but it's not. We were kidding about our golf scores here. Par sounds easy, but if you think about a round of golf, take out putt-putt for sure. There are very few players who've ever shot par on an entire round of golf. There are very few leaders who prioritize, Hmm. adapt, and hold themselves responsible. So it's a simple concept, and I love the simplicity of it. It's difficult to execute, and it takes practice. Just like to play par on a round of golf takes a lot of practice.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Do you find there's an awakening in leaders where they're now more willing? Like what's that experience of getting an individual to say, okay, it's time to change?
0: The biggest thing that makes an individual decide that it's time to change is – They're not seeing the results they expected. It was that product that wasn't launched. It was the financial results that they didn't realize. It's I've had a lot of turnover, and I can't figure out why. All of those things can be triggers as to, you know what, I'm not meeting my expectations for somebody to say, finally, where am I part of the problem?
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And then you probably find as well that leaders go through tremendous or significant moments in their life, right, a relationship failure a divorce, a child struggling, a person in their life struggling, or they hit a wall and realize that their priorities, I finally recognize what others have been trying to tell me, show me, because of this wall that I hit, whatever that barrier may be in their life. I would assume that comes out quite often and people reprioritize based on struggles and life experiences.
0: So often when I'm working with somebody and they maybe don't want executive coaching. The boss or the board has brought me in, which is rare that somebody doesn't want it, but that happens sometimes. I'll talk with them and I'll say, How are things at home? Do your adult children come and ask you for advice? Are you approachable to them? Because they'll go, I don't, I'm different at home. And I start bringing out, Okay, how are you at home? They realize I'll see a tear come down. Their adult children aren't reaching out to them. So if you're not approachable at work, you're probably not approachable at home as well. And I've often said, can I call your spouse and see if these issues happen at home? Mm -hmm. Sometimes they let me and I'll put the spouse on speakerphone. When the spouse stops laughing at the question, the eyes open up. It's like, oh my gosh, I am like that at home and at work. Mm -hmm. These behaviors, and again, behaviors have to change to have a different result. These behaviors aren't just at work. They're at home as well.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great. When we wrote both of the books, we tried to have the underpinning ideas be as timeless as possible and the idea of people not focused on the right priorities. They're not open to change. The world is changing so fast. It's Mm -hmm. unbelievable. And if you're not open to change in the world or changing yourself, if you don't take ownership of what is going on in your world, you know, those are just fundamental ideas that the people who Grasp those and run with them, they're gonna be more successful than the people who say, no, I'm just gonna do it my way. Mm -hmm. When you write a book, the idea is we think humbly that we have a couple of good ideas in there. And if you read it, you'll take away a few thoughts that you go, you know, that's a good idea. I need to work on that. Mm -hmm. That's it. It's not trying to change the world, Mm -hmm. just trying to help the people who want to learn some new tricks. Mm -hmm. And with FIDO, the idea of leadership is just it's what separates the good from the great. Mm -hmm. We're not going to make someone the greatest leader in the world because they read this book. But the idea is you're going to see some thoughts that make sense. You're then going to see your dog and go, you know what? My dog is reminding me of those Mm. really good ideas. Mm. So every day you're reminded of that, you know, I really need to work on patience or listening or whatever the skill is that you've identified that you need to work on. And so there's simple ideas that we hope will help someone just take it to the next level. Hmm.
1: That's wonderful.
2: That's wonderful. So speaking of, we're not trying to change the world,
1: but I'm going to ask the question about legacy. Mm-hmm. You know, What do you want the legacy of Dan and Chrissy Barr to be? The experiences of those who interact with the two of you, who interact with you individually as well. You know, it seems like and even at the event, it was so encouraging that you two interacted together with the audience, right? That there's such a partnership. There's such a team. Maybe that's part of my view of what legacy you're having on my life or others who are interacting with you. But what do you hope your legacy to be as Dan and Chrissy Barr?
0: You know, it's an interesting question about our legacy, and I'll see if we're aligned. We might be different. In many ways, Dan and I have already done our legacy to the city. A number of years ago, we fulfilled a 20-year dream to build a labyrinth, a meditation labyrinth on the banks of the Ohio River in assistant Smell Park between the Reds and the Bengals Stadium. So often our legacy is to have people be able to, once they have experience with something that we've touched, whether it's a book or whether it's an interaction with us or just walking through the labyrinth, for them to be able to look inside themselves and be more self-aware and go forward with an optimistic future.
2: Hmm. To me, it's I agree with all those thoughts. We try to make people smile, hmm. try and make people just feel, give them a couple new ideas, and make them smile. Both of these books are not serious, boring books. They're they're funny. All the I think all the really good business ideas come from Chrissy, and all the funny stuff comes from me hmm. or not That's all exactly, but a yeah, lot no, of it. You're, but your your I tried to make good. it as enjoyable as possible. So we bring a smile to people's face. Years ago, I had a few songs that were on the WEBN album projects. They used to have these records they put Mm -hmm. out. And my, I guess, famous song is called Bus Full of Nuns. And they made a video of it. So to me, the idea of making people smile is really important because if people are happy, one of the things that Chrissy works with people on is if people aren't happy at work, happy in their job, the odds of them being successful at it go way down. If you're happy with what you do and who you're working with, the odds of you succeeding go way up. So Mm -hmm. we both are optimistic, positive people, and we're just trying to do the best we can to make the world a better place.
0: I agree with Dan. Show me somebody who is collaborative and a high performer, and I'm going to bet they're a happy person. Show me somebody who's dysfunctional and not hitting the mark. Chances are they're unhappy. And there's some work going on by Dr. Izzy Justice, who worked with Daniel Goldman on emotional intelligence years and years ago, on happiness and the impact of it. And now the question is, is it a leadership issue or happiness issue? Well, I'll go back to that clock that I talked about earlier. The experiences we have affect our attitudes. Our attitudes affect our behaviors, affecting our results. So, sure, negative events happen. But you have to be able to shake it off and pivot to focus on what you want versus what you don't want, and therein you can be a happy person. That's wonderful.
1: Yeah. And again, I hope the listeners can feel yourself in this, right? We all know there's times where we get off track and we get off pivot and we have something that takes us down a different path. And as tough as circumstances can be, a great way to begin the journey to get out of that circumstance is to have a better attitude that creates better behaviors that then will change the direction of the result. And again, a lot of us learn through life experiences, right? That only through those times, but in and of your circumstances and situations, you can decide to have a better attitude. And the old, you know, the <laughs> quote of atti- uh, attitude is everything. Attitude affects altitude, right?
0: Yeah. yeah. And here's a formula you can remember it's called E plus R equals O. There are events in our life. That's the E. The O is an outcome, the R is how you react or respond. You control. 100% of how you react or respond because you control 100% of how you think and act. So when we think we're powerless, which, yeah, I, I did with that brutal bully, feel sometimes I was powerful. I knew I controlled 100% of how I thought and acted. And that division that I worked in at the time was extremely profitable, and the people in the industry knew of the work that was going on, and my reputation allowed me to move into something else when a leader from that company went to another company, and they tapped my shoulder and said, come here. So I did get out of that situation, but only because I didn't curl up in the fetal position. I ran to what I want versus ran away from what I didn't want.
1: Well, it is an honor to call you both friends. I really appreciate the impact that you've had on myself. I'm excited to be able to share this story. We'll provide resources to your website, chrissybar.com, to the book, both Plugged as well as Fido Factor. Also, the Plugged scorecard and the Fido Factor assessment tool, I think could be great resources that are out on your website, and we'll make sure we provide that as well.
0: The scorecard is something from Plugged that you can actually write a whole strategic plan and implementation plan to, and both on Fido Factor and Plugged, there are assessments to see how stuck you and your company Know, could be, as well as what your individual phytofactor is. So you could even do your own, or you could do a 360. So lots of tools and assessments out there.
2: And they're they're all free, and they're all on chrissybar.com website. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, thank you
1: both for being here, and I very much look forward to our next conversation.
0: Thank you for being our friend, Mike. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Talent Magnet Institute podcast. A toxic work culture can be costlier than you can imagine, but hard to identify. Go to TalentMagnetInstitutePodcast.com slash culture to learn seven signs that there's something you need to fix in your workplace.
1: The Talent Magnet Institute podcast is powered by Centennial, a talent strategy and executive search firm, and the Talent Magnet Institute. You can engage with us at TalentMagnetI on Twitter, or Talent Magnet Institute on LinkedIn and Facebook. Please communicate by using hashtag Talent Magnet. Find us in your favorite podcast app to subscribe, rate, and leave a review, as well as share with a colleague. You can also listen at talentmagnetpodcast.com. Our podcast studio is based in greater Cincinnati, Ohio. We are supported by our listeners, clients, and partners from all over the world. The Talent Magnet Institute podcast is made possible by a great team that includes Janelle Spence and Christine Lewis of Centennial, Josh Chappelle and Adam Smith of Sound Press, produced by Chris Madine of New Fidelity Studios, and Audra Casino and Megan Doherty of One Stone Creative. Music written by DJ Corbett and Chris Madine. And myself, your host, Mike Sipple Jr.